Emissions from Capita. Hello and welcome to this podcast from Capita. This time we're looking at the legal system going digital. I'm Justine Green and once again myself and both our guests are joining the conversation remotely. First, welcome to Dr. Camille Khan, sitting judge at the UK Ministry of Justice and law professor. Hello, Camille. Hello. Very nice to be here. Thank you for having us. And welcome to Alistair Murray, MD of Justice and Central Government for Capita. Hello, Alistair. Hi, Justine, and uh, thank you for having me. Now, Camille, it's a broad subject. Set the scene for us as to the current situation with the courts and technology, particularly as things have changed so dramatically due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Absolutely. Um, as Confucius said, we live in interesting times. Uh, well, this transforming justice started at the Ministry of Justice in 2016. Uh, where the government committed to spending close to a billion pounds on transforming the courts, using technology and reskilling staff. And the idea really was to have a better and smarter administration of justice. Um, the, the, the remit was to look and create a digital system for justice and a modern online dispute resolution. And that came really out of two things. One is that the court system had excessive delays and it was disproportionately expensive. Then we had coming uh, recently the COVID-19, very serious pandemic. And what that did, it made everything urgent. We have a rapid uptake in remote courts. 80% of all hearings now are via video or audio. We're in the midst of really the largest unscheduled pilot scheme uh, in justice. So we really have a lot happening. And as Barack Obama said, we should never waste a disaster. And what we have now is a rethinking of the justice system. So, Alistair, why do you think until now the court system has lagged behind and perhaps been resistant to modernisation? Uh, Digitisation, uh, for any organisation that isn't new, so startups have an advantage, but any organisation that's been around for 20, 30 or a few hundred years has a lot of legacy systems, a lot of infrastructure, the data's all siloed, there's a lot of fragmentation. So it's hard, is point one, and that's true of uh, the justice system. Um, and you need a burning platform in order to get through that. Uh, and the extent to which we, you know, have had that real burning platform, and that the customers, if you will, of the justice system are demanding it, is probably it's probably less clear. And then thirdly, I think there's a structure issue. Um, I mean, governments are fundamentally stovepiped organisations, are stovepiped into departments, and and citizens and users of the system are not. Uh, and then, of course, there are other things that are specific. I think. Um, such as the justice system is under uh, more public and press scrutiny and that can sort of put them uh, more uh, risk adverse. And then there is something that's probably quite specific to the court system around tradition and pageantry in terms of you know, the extent to which people want to change. Now, Camille, as we mentioned, you're a sitting judge. So what sort of cases could benefit from digitisation? I'm guessing it's not everything, probably not the larger cases. Yes, Justine, you're absolutely right. It's not the big cases. 
but the big cases would benefit from having a more manageable system for information, a less costly system, and a better system for sharing information. Um, you know, when you look, for example, let's say a terrorist case, that has between two and three million pieces of paper. How do you share that? How do you store that? Digitalization can make a huge difference. But I think uh, what you said is correct. The, the smaller cases, the low value, as I would call them, cases, would be the way in which we can have an online solution. And let me give you a very simple example. In the tax court, in five years, there has been 1.6 million 100 pound late filing of tax return penalties. Okay, 1.6 in five years. It costs in excess of a thousand pounds a day to have a hearing in court. And each one of those uh, penalty appeals ha can have a hearing. And when the judge has given the decision, each one can have an appeal. If you took, let's say, probate in the UK, probate is essentially a form filling exercise but 40% of the forms have to be reworked. Now that takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of court time, etc. Uh, that can be made into something digital with a very good architecture that allows people to use, use these things. And you know, there's a lot of really very good precedent, such as let's say eBay, which has 70 million complaints a year, 90% of those are settled online. Uh, it is because they have a very good digital architecture which works with the claimant to actually settle these cases. And if you removed, if you like, the smaller cases, you will have less clocking up, less cost, less taking of judicial time, and a happier claimant. Thanks for the moment. Next, we'll talk about what digital technologies could become part of the justice landscape. Tomorrow's Organisations now, Alistair, one thing that's been part of our discussion over several podcasts is the way the COVID crisis has accelerated the introduction of technology. How has this been reflected in the court system? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, I think it has been re reflected. I mean, the biggest courthouse today uh, is the telephone and video conference system. Um, it's bigger than any other court. Uh, I think we've gone for, in uh, March from uh, about 1,000 courts uh, a week uh, that were heard through audio and video to over 3,000. So we've kind of tripled uh, the use. And a lot of that technology was already there, albeit we've had to, you know, there's been a lot of work on the uh, infrastructure and bandwidth. But that's really changed uh, behaviours. Um, and, uh, you know, in April, I think uh, a third of all the uh, remote comms was on video and two thirds was on uh, audio. We had a a first trial by Skype in uh, in March. So I think there's been a huge acceleration and uh, I mean, the court's done its bit. Well, looking further afield, Camille, how's digital technology being used in the legal process in other countries? Are they ahead of us? Uh, well, some countries are, Justine, some are. There are many lessons, really. 
Um, and in the U.S., you have something called Matterhorn, which is an online dispute settlement platform. And that has been really successful because it's been used with the mobile phone now in 13 states in over close to 100 courts. Uh, countries which you perhaps never thought would have very good uh, technology or would be behind the curb are actually progressing. Turkey, for example, has replaced the courtroom with an electronic service. Portugal has had created a digital debt collection uh, uh, platform uh, which has helped business. And when you think in the UK, we have close to a billion pounds of unpaid fines. That really is something we may need here. Uh, Romania has created uh, an automatic transcription using voice recognition, perhaps as we are doing today. So as you speak, you have a recording. It comes up on a screen. There are no handwritten notes. And I think the big plus with that is that judges are not distracted. Quite often you get in British courts, judges saying, hang on a minute, let me write that down or so. And it does not appear that they're actively engaged. So I think that that is coming. I, I, I think the government here are bringing that sort of thing in. And Estonia, uh, which is perhaps the, the, the most advanced digital society in Europe, has created something called the e-file. And the e-file allows the police, the court, the prisons, the probation service, the bailiffs, the tax, whoever, to all be connected. So they have connected the dots. And these countries that tend to be more advanced in the court system, they're generally more advanced on technology. I spend a lot of time in yeah. Finland because my wife's Finnish. So it's sort of my second home. And it, it's Estonia's neighbour and, and generally thought to be quite digitally advanced. Um, and, you know, everything in the justice system there is, is, is online. If you want to sue someone in Finland, it's compulsory to do it electronically. Uh, and they're very open about the benefits. It saved, you know, about 25% in, in workload. Uh, but, you know, instead of taking 10 weeks, it takes three or four weeks to get some decision. And in, in a country of Finns, well, that's actually just made the whole justice system fairer and less intimidating. Well, let me ask you both. How do you think the public will respond to an increasing use of technology here? Do you not think that people will still want their traditional day in court? Well, I could tell you, I have a 22-year-old daughter who somehow has managed to be called for jury service three times in her relatively small adult life. And again in July, just after she's finished her finals, and she absolutely cannot understand why she physically needs to go into court, which she's now actually being asked to do in this crisis. So I, I think, you know, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that people couldn't imagine shopping online or doing banking online, and now that that's... Uh, and, and I'm sure that this whole crisis has just accelerated expectations. But I don't, I don't know what uh, if, if Camille's got a different view. Yeah, well, look, I mean, Justine, look, your day in court may not be a physical court, for starters. It may be a video court. Uh, people will want their day in court because they want to be heard. But I think if we looked at this in a cultural way, we are different and we do things differently from our parents. And our children do things differently from us. So I think, I think the mindset of people has changed. Um, you know, people are not seeing uh, court anymore. Young people certainly as not carrying loads of paper 
and loads of documentation. They see instant communication. They see they want something electronic and they're, they're comfortable with that. That's interesting. Uh, thank you both. In our final section, we look to the future. As we've already touched upon, the justice system, much like our own parliament, finds it challenging to modernise. How do we progress and highlight the benefits of new digital solutions? You know, do we have something which is fair? Do we have a system that benefits people in terms of diversity and equality? Uh, is it a system that allows users to feel comfortable? I think we would have to have lots of piloting lots of feedback, lots of testing. Uh, the system would have to be fair to young people and old people, urban people and people in, in the country, people with disabilities. But the real test is, does it work? And does it give justice? And is it fit for purpose? And I think if you answer those questions positively, you would agree that the system has to change. I agree, Camille, but you, you, know, you could make the case on citizen experience or, or, or the outcomes and the fairness of the justice system. But if that's not enough, actually, it comes down to cost. Uh, and we can't forget yeah. that, that the other thing about this pandemic is that we spent a lot of money and we're going to go into uh, difficult economic times. Um, and there will be a lot of savings uh, because cause better is also cheaper in so many processes. And I think it's, uh, it's, it will be true here as well. Finally, give us your views on what you think the modern court system should look like and how long that might take. Do you think we'll ever see a digital court? Firstly, let's look at what a digital court looks like. I think if you had a rogue trader, you had a dispute of £10,000, what happens in the digital court? You file your case online, as Al said, you do in Finland and Estonia. You answer questions online. You file documents online. The defendant would file answers online. And if we have a very good choice architecture, we'll probably find that it, it works towards a solution. Uh, if you were in a criminal place and you wanted to enter a plea, you could do that online. Well, when you think now, it can take over 100 days between an offence and charge using the CPS, or in the magistrate's court, it can take you 28 days from, you know, from, to your hearing from when you're first listed. All of that time would be saved in the digital court. And the second, if you like, philosophical question, uh, Justine, is... Must your judge be a human? <laughs> I think, uh, <laughs> I think um, we could use AI. Uh, we could use algorithms, as I said, in parole board decisions. And, you know, in a way, judges, the brain of a judge is a black box. You don't know what's happening in there. But if you have an algorithm, it is transparent. It tells you how the decision was made. So it's more appealable. So I am hopeful um, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do. As a, and, but as Al said, there's a lot of savings to be made at, at a very difficult economic time. 
I mean, this is already happening. It's it's happening in China in a big way. It's not kind of it's you know the advances that we need to make are not in the technology. The the technology exists, and the sophistication of the technology to drive the the uh, digital court is is less than you know the technology that's driving other things that we do every day. I mean, I spent a lot of time in HSBC in Guangzhou, which is uh, a lovely city in China, twelve million people. Um, and they have uh, internet courts and smart courts uh, powered by artificial intelligent uh, judges, and that's already actually the you know uh, the, the norm. So I think it will come. Yeah. I don't I don't know if we're talking um, five years or ten years, but I, I am pretty sure that the the pandemic, and I use that word carefully because we now already know that it could happen again. Um, and the fact that we've all, you know, advanced as as human beings in the last three months in terms of our expectations of what you can do virtually, I think that will be an accelerant. Okay, well, that's it for this podcast. I hope you found our discussion of interest. Camille, thanks for joining us. Ah, interesting topic. Uh, very valuable discussion. Thank you, Justine. And Alistair, thank you. Thanks, Justine, and, and thanks, Camille. Camille and I have done this over coffee a few times, so it's, uh, it's nice to do it on the record. I'm Justine Green. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more, go to capita.com slash future of work and learning. <laughs>